Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. I think that self-care is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable for survival. It's how we can reset the system, our body, our chemistry to work for us and not against us. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health-conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. One of my clients who actually found me on a podcast was recently lamenting about how much she learned from podcasts, but also felt like she was getting so much information, she didn't know what to do with it or take from it. Learning is everything in life, but how do you remember what you learn or put it into action? Well, we grow and retain our learning when we share it with others. That's why I want to invite you to my new Facebook group for the Less Stressed Life podcast, the Learn, Grow, Share Circle.com. This group started as texts with friends and listeners talking about those aha moments from episodes. I thought, why don't we all get to have this talk? When you listen to an episode and wonder, did anyone else try that? I want to be able to share updates and things I've learned since the episode recording. And now more than ever, community is of paramount importance. To join the group, just go to learngrowsharecircle.com and join the conversation. I called it learngrowsharecircle.com because that's really how I see this. That's how I feel about podcasts. You want to share your aha moments, your wins, your questions, your thoughts to get the most out of this podcast. I'll see you there. Okay, today on The Less Stress Life, we have Dr. Marisa Snyder, who is a functional practitioner and the author of seven books, which is a very large number of books to have authored, including a national bestseller, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, focusing on balancing hormones with the power of essential oils, and the number one Amazon bestseller, The Smart Mom's Guide to Essential Oils. For the past 10 years, she's lectured at wellness centers, conferences, and corporations on hormone health, essential oils, nutrition, and detoxification. She's been featured on Dr. Oz, Fox News Health, Oprah Magazine, Mind, Body Green, and many other publications. She is also the host of the Essentially You podcast, which is amazing, designed to empower women to become the CEO of their health. And we can check out her website, drmarisa.com for women's hormone tips, including recipes and remedies. Welcome, Dr. Marisa. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So 
in true light of you loving talking about hormones and essential oils, I'd love to talk about before we get into that topic, how did you become interested in that topic? Because sometimes there's usually some kind of personal story or catalyst. I think that makes it so much more interesting. Absolutely. Well, there are actually multiple stories, but the defining moment for me as I had just left the doctor's office, I had been dealing with crippling chronic fatigue, the kind of chronic fatigue where it took everything out of me to just get out of bed some mornings and to crawl into the bathroom and get ready. I literally felt like I was a fraction of who I was. And this was when I was 30 years old. And I went to get labs ran because I didn't know if there was something else. You know, chronic fatigue can be caused by so many different things that are going on in the body. And I went and had my labs ran and everything. It just literally said hormone hot mess on the labs. And when I was like on the hope and a prayer of really hoping that the doctor had something for me, she handed me two prescriptions, which were birth control pills and Xanax. And I remember being devastated, devastated. And I felt alone and I felt unheard. And I was like, this is not going to get me nowhere. And and I was a practitioner myself. And I was in practice taking care of a lot of women who are dealing with hormone issues. But especially practitioners, you should always get a, a diagnosis. You should go get seen by somebody. And this somebody had nothing for me. And I remember sitting in my car and I had a little pity party because I felt so lost. I felt like there weren't a lot of solutions. I There was, you know, clearly when women were stepping into the offices, the doctor's offices with the same set of symptoms that I was dealing with, these were the solutions that they were being given. And so I realized that the modern medical system really didn't have a lot for me or a lot for everyone else. So as I sat in the car, I tapped into like trying to come up with a creative solution. I'm like, okay, I've got to figure this out because I don't have another option. At 30 years old, this cannot be my new normal. I got to figure out how to get myself back on track. And so I was a biochemist well before I was a practitioner. And so I knew to do research. I was like, I can do research. I can figure this out. And then I also sat there and realized that I am one of millions of women heading to these offices every single day and getting the same type of solution, a solution that's not going to get me anywhere. And I wanted to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And so I've dedicated the last 10 plus years to being a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. And it is taking me down the most incredible journey of being able to serve millions of women and really just offering, you know, what those root causes are, what would actually get us into that state. And then what can we do to gently nourish and support our bodies back to a place where we feel energetic, we feel joyful, we feel like we can conquer the world. And I know that when when women are in that state of like, I can handle this, I got everything I need, we really do conquer the world. And so that has been my mission. Um, every day I wake up, it's the mission I just pr- that propels me forward. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I appreciate your story because I'm sure that there's people listening that have felt like, okay, these are not answers, right? And hormones, I think, are a hot button topic or it's a hot button word because people are like, I need to fix my hormones. But it's like, what does that even mean to people? Because it's a large topic. It means to me, it means like, oh, hormones are an umbrella, sort of like stress is an umbrella. And here's all the things that fit underneath of them. So maybe in order to help bring this to a more tangible place, let's talk about some common hormone imbalances that maybe were going on in your life or that are commonly caused by stress and other stressors like environmental toxins or something else. Let's talk about common hormonal imbalances and kind of what goes into that. All of them. And I'll mention them. But you know, what the most profound, and I believe this to be true, and there's a lot of really interesting research, but the most profound experience or that affects our health 
more than anything is the autonomic nervous system over and over and over again. Because our autonomic nervous system with the automatic nervous system, right, being ran by the cerebellum and the limbic system, kind of that primitive brain is controlling our breath controlling our metabolism, controlling our blood sugar level, controlling our immune system. I mean, really, it's the system that gets turned on when we are in sympathetic dominance. So it's when our stress response system is turned on. And that can have damaging repercussions over time. Now, if we were in a situation, you and I were walking in the park together and some really creepy guy was coming in the park and we kept an eye on him and he started coming closer to us, you know, thank goodness for that autonomic nervous system to turn on where you and I in our little tennies would just bolt it out of there. We'd either run or we'd kick his butt, right? Like one of two things have got to go down. The only problem is that your brain doesn't distinguish between the scary, creepy guy in the park and the deadline that you're on or the text messages that are going off or the social media stuff or the news that is constantly looping the same fear-driven content over and over and over again. And if we're coming from a place of trauma, which can I get a witness how many people are dealing with trauma? I got all kinds of trauma. We vert back into that place. It's what the brain knows. It's your brain is just doing its best job to send safety, to send signals to the body that says, whoa, 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 you, that was scary. Remember how that's how scary that was way back in the day? Well, that's going to happen again. Don't, don't let that happen again. And it just sends this cascade of chemical responses throughout the entire body. And if we trigger that up over and over and over and over and over and over again, that cascade is more easily triggered up. So all of a sudden, we've conditioned our body, we've conditioned our brain to respond very quickly to a potential threat. And that's really all the brain is doing is like stranger danger threat everywhere. And so what does that look like? Well, we co-elevate a thyroid hormone. And over time, we don't just co-elevate thyroid hormone, but if it's our little cells, which are like their own little homes, think of ourselves as their own little individuals. If your cell feels threatened, if it's like, oh, like Armageddon is happening inside of my body right now, you're, that little cell is like, think of when like you're battening down the shutters, right? You're just closing in. A big storm is coming in. Well, cells literally shut off our thyroid hormone receptors. They shut down mitochondria. So hence fatigue and they shut down cellular metabolism because when you're threatened, it's just easier to hunker down. And then what cells will do is they will actually spew out chemical messages to nearby cells that tell them to do the same thing. And so we see things like cellular hypothyroid. We see chronic fatigue. We see high levels of cravings. We see brain fog. We see irregular periods. And I think a lot of women think that the irregular period is the problem, but it's not. Your hormones are not sabotaging you. Your cycle isn't sabotaging you either. Your cycle is responding to a stressor. Your cycle is, again, it's being ran by a lot of cells and those little cells are getting stranger danger messages and they're being told to like halt and cease. And then we now we have longer period delays. We have heavier periods due to estrogen dominance. We ain't got no progesterone level because we keep stealing it, you know, to make more cortisol because the stress cycle is just this big old rapid tornado. And so when we look at it, and that's just one of the root causes, but for me, I think stress is one of the most dominant root causes. And what makes it so insidious is that it's an intangible. We don't know it. We don't always, we hardly ever know that we're in a stress state. We don't notice that our thoughts are racing. We don't notice that our palms are sweaty. Or we don't notice that we're not treating the people around us 
nicely. Mm. We don't even notice. Like I, one of the best ways to know if you're stressed is watch how other people respond to your energy. Like if every day you say to yourself, I want to show up with compassion and service and love, but then your family is coming at you like something isn't right, the most likely that is because you're in a stress state. So I find that every hormonal imbalance, every hormonal symptom, whether it's low libido or it's irregular menstrual cycles or it is brain fog or it's mood swings or it is horrible migraine pain, a part of it is stemming from stress and clearly nutrient deficiencies, which is due to stress, gut dysbiosis, which is due to stress, sugar imbalance, which, oh my goodness, is due to stress. Mm -hmm. Bring the truth here. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want us to back up to trauma because I don't want people to misunderstand trauma. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people think I haven't experienced trauma because I don't have this car accident that's traumatizing me. I don't have this family issue. I mean, whatever. Like people think sometimes that they identify with trauma as this big newsworthy event that people are stuffing. And it's not necessarily that it can be the way this one person looked at you that one time and you have never forgotten it, that could be a trauma, right? It could be the way your dad, I heard some great examples of this recently. It could be the way your parent bopped you on the head during church and said, you know, don't talk. And it caused you not to want to speak up after that. I mean, there's just like little things. Can you give me examples of trauma? Absolutely. So trauma breaks down into, I want to simplify trauma. It breaks down into big T and you nailed the big T. A lot of people are under the impression that it's the big T's that if we haven't had a big T, that there's no trauma going on. And you know, we know the big T's, childhood abuse or a bad accident, or maybe you were in war, what, you know, whatever that may look like. But then the little T's, like you said, the teacher once telling you that you aren't smart, that maybe you got to sit in the back of the room or your parents sitting you down saying, you know, if you fail in that grade one more time, you were worthless or the girlfriend who cheated on you or broke your heart and told you that you just weren't lovable. It doesn't have to be a big moment. It can be a minor moment. It's basically, it's that moment where you create a belief mechanism, a belief system around it that says, oh, I'm not girlfriend worthy. I'm not marriage worthy. I'll never be thin and pretty. I'll never be worthy to start a business. You know, I was always told that I don't have a business mindset, you know, and whatever people may have told us, would they had any right to tell us that a good friend of mine, Dr. Joan Rosenberg said, you know, when I was thinking about like, I had a stepmother who used to tell me that I was going to beat my children. And I thought for many, many years, I didn't want children because I was so afraid that it was going to be a prophecy that I was going to fulfill. I was just so terrified of that. And she was just such an awful individual. But it was a part of my belief loop for so, so long. And so we can get stuck in that. But one of the things that Dr. Joan Rosenberg, a dear friend of mine, said, basically, always know that many people who say these things never had the authority to say it never had the right to say it. And because they said it does not ever make it true. And that can be hard to break through. But what ends up happening is when we encounter a scenario where we're, we want to take that new job, or we got to take a pivot in our career, but then that teacher said that nasty thing and that little belief mindset keeps popping up that we, we're not good enough, or we're not smart enough to step into that, or we're not worthy enough. Worthiness plays a role so much in this that we find ourselves making decisions based on that 10 year old self, that 12 year old self. 
and we can get stuck in that loop. And we ultimately don't end up fulfilling about anywhere. It triggers up that trauma, it triggers up that memory, and it puts you back in that place. So instances where we're put in a position, we're having to make decisions, and we haven't worked through that trauma, we find ourselves right back where we're at. We make decisions from that that place of trauma. So we have to be so mindful, whether we're doing EFT, whether we're doing meditation, whether we're doing really powerful breath work to help kind of move us through those moments. Because whether we know it or not, those deep-seated beliefs and those deep-seated memories are going to come back. And so right now, as we're recording this, we're very in a very unknown time. It feels very scary. And a lot of our traumas are getting triggered because we don't know what's going to happen. We're in this state of unknown. And as those traumas are triggered, we feel panicked, we feel anxious, and we feel overwhelmed. And that has a emotional, chemical response in the body, whether we know it or acknowledge it. Something to add to that, that I heard someone say the other day that stuck with me quite a bit is how you are reacting to the current state of the world events is how you react to everything. And that is what Mm -hmm. you essentially said in different words. You know, these things will trigger those traumas, those things that we don't even realize. I love to like psychoanalyze myself now at this point in my life, like, let me go back to like, when I'm five and 10. And like, why do I act this way now? But something else I loved that you said earlier was that we so often because I talk about stress a lot, but it is a, such a pro it's like our nemesis, because it can be so intangible, like you don't even recognize it. And I loved what you said about like, are you kind to people because that is a reflection of your stress, watch how others respond to your energy, how do you treat your family, etc. Like, whoa, profound moment here. This is quite important. Like this makes a big difference. And because high performers, people who have success that are just that are performing well that are getting their things done. We sometimes don't want to admit that we have stress because it feels looks seems like a weakness, like right? a slight edge. Oh, I was gonna say like a slight edge. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I think high performers use stress to their advantage. Mm-hmm. I know I did. I had no idea that I was addicted to stress. I was a stressaholic. I honestly thought it was that extra edge that had me on top of things, that had me like a little bit ahead of someone else. I wasn't ever competing necessarily. I was always competing with myself, but I was like, and it was based on a belief mindset. I remember my mom when I was a little girl told me that Marisa, you're never going to be smart. It's your, there's, you don't necessarily have any special skills. There's nothing that makes you particularly unique, but If you work harder than everybody else, if you are willing to have more grit than the next person, you win the game. And I remember thinking, okay, that's the one thing I can control. I can control my grit. I can control my perseverance. And if that is what's going to define my success, well, then sign me up put me in the game coach, I'm ready. And you want to know why at the age of 30, I completely burned and melted into the ground is because I literally gritted my way through my first and all my 20s. And because my mama told me if I could just work harder than the average bear, I would kick some major booty, and I would become successful. And I thought that was my slight edge. And it wasn't until I was flat face on the ground in and just not even knowing who I was anymore that I realized that I had been running on survival for over a decade. I think this is also why some people are good. Like you're sometimes surprised at first that some people are reaching the level of burnout because they appear to be handling it well, sort of, kind of like, it looks kind of good on the outside. 
Yeah, and we reward it. Oh, like, look at her kicking butt, like staying up, handling business, checking off those lists, checking off that un- endless obligation, endless tasks. You know, the one thing that I've always been told is that I get more stuff done than people have ever seen. Beyond efficient, they're just like, you're just a powerhouse. And what that means to me is that I'm doing too much. I'm forcing things through. I'm not flowing through it. And I now know today that it doesn't have to look like that anymore. It doesn't have to look that way anymore. That it does, I don't have to fight and grind through everything to get to create success. But it took me a long time to learn that lesson because it's, I think it's well rewarded in our culture more than anything. And I don't know if that's how, particularly women, that's how we show up as our best self. In particular. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is a great time. I want to talk about, you know, those like magic questions that everyone wants to know about resetting your hormones and jumpstarting your metabolism, etc. But I think part of the answer to that has to do with how do we care for ourselves to reduce stress Mm -hmm. and what things play a role in that. So let's talk about what self care means and why people have blocks around self care. Absolutely. I think, again, it's a belief mindset. I remember when I was younger and my 25 years old, I called my gym time my selfish hour. I thought it was the most selfish thing I did every day. And it was a belief mindset. I was brought up told that I put myself last. I grew up in a little Mexican family where families first and anything that I did for myself was considered a selfish act. And so it took me a long time to retrain that belief mindset that by taking care of me, I get to take care of more people. I can show up with more kindness and love and I'm better to the people around me. And so I think that self-care is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable for survival. It's how we can reset the system, our body, our chemistry to work for us and not against us. And so, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be spa days. I was on the phone with a friend of mine who was just one of the things that she is so bummed about right now. She's in New York City that she can't go to her favorite Korean spa. Like there's this spa that she's like, is nothing like that in the world. She goes like every week and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, there's so much that we can do inside of our homes, you know, every day we can put on our essential oils, we can heat up a beautiful cup of chamomile tea, we can have our morning rituals where we do like a five minute meditation, or we write in our journal, our gratitude journal, we drink a big, big cup of lemon water, like there's so many ways that we can love our bodies, that we can nourish our bodies. And all of that to me is self care. And all of that to me is a non negotiable. If we want to you know, if we're talking to high performers, if we want to show up in the world, and I know that's what everyone wants to do, how can I show up bigger? How can I be of more service? Well, you got to be in service of yourself first. And if it's just a little morning ritual, like I've got a non-negotiable morning ritual, and I've got the Cadillac ritual, right? I've got two versions. And right now with where we're at in the shelter in place, the Cadillac is out. I am doing my Cadillac rituals every single day, but not every day is a Cadillac day. Some days I got to do the non-negotiable rituals, but I have a different version depending on what I can do because I just try to do what I can with what I got from where I'm at every day. And then my evening rituals, I've got an evening rituals, I'm reading the same book over and over and over again for 90 days, chapter by chapter. I've got my essential oil blends, I've got my blackout curtains, I've got my little setup, I've got my day planning that I do for the next day. It's a 30 minute evening ritual that really grounds me into getting deep, restful sleep. And so I think all of those things, we have time for them. And they really are non-negotiables right now and every day. And I always say, if, if I can do them, 
you know, a girl who's a recovering stressaholic, recovering overachiever, I can make time for these little activities. I know that we can all make time for them. So it would be fun to hear about your self-care rituals. But at the same time, sometimes people might say that's nice for her, but they don't necessarily see themselves in it. So what would you actually suggest to a woman who needs to start a self-care ritual or who wants to start a self-care routine, but doesn't even know where to begin? What's absolutely number one, First step is recognizing and owning that you need it, that it's a part of how you step up in the world. And if you're saying to yourself right now, well, I don't have time for it. I don't think I need it. I don't deserve it. Then you most especially need it. The most selfish time in my life was when I was sick because I couldn't do anything for anybody. I couldn't show up for anyone. I barely showed up for my patients. I lost my relationship because of it because I could only focus on myself. When we are thriving, when we are in energy, like an energy state, we have got so much more to pour out to our family, our partners, the people that matter most to us. And so I think it's just a realignment of thinking about just shifting the mindset around it and saying, okay, and that was, it took me years to figure it out. I just kept thinking I would just keep burning myself into the ground because I just kept doing it. And then I, one day I was like, stop, stop the presses. This isn't working for you anymore. Like you've got to shift it. And it doesn't have to be, it could be one thing. It could just be one thing. It could just be taking your phone and every hour a little chime goes off and you get up and you take five to seven deep belly breaths and then you go back to doing what you're doing. They could just be as easy as that. Self-care is literally taking a moment to pause and just resetting. Because that right there, breathing into your body, breathing into your cells, telling your body and your brain that everything's okay is one of the best gifts you can give yourselves. And breath is one of the most powerful ways to send safety signals to the brain that you are safe and that everything is okay. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And I do, the other thing that you snuck in there was you mentioned how to create a reminder or some way, like you create, like you started the habit some way, right? Because Mm -hmm. It's not like we're just going to change. It's like, I want to do Mm -hmm. things, but it's not like it's just going to happen. It takes a lot of effort to make these things, to make them a ritual, right? It takes a while to make them into a habit, so to speak. And there's, it's easy to break habits. And so recognizing all those pieces, like, when do I seem to break my habits? Like, what am I Mm -hmm. doing where I break them? What am I doing where I can create one? I mean, so this isn't something you just snap your fingers and happens. It's like a lot. It's a necessary area to put effort into, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember I set an intention for my Cadillac rituals earlier this year in January. And up until January 20th, I was killing, I was doing it. And then I don't know what happened. Everything just fell apart after the first month of the year. And I literally for the month of February, I don't know if I did the Cadillac rituals once. It just didn't happen. And maybe on the weekends, I was able to squeeze them in. And then when we went into shelter in place, I was like, this is my commitment to myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up a half hour earlier than I normally do. I'm going to commit to that. And I'm going to knock out this Cadillac. And I ever since then, I have been, you can call it discipline, or whatever you want to call it. But that's just the way that I've been honoring myself every single day. And it's not easy. And I'm hoping that I'll come out of this where it, that ritual becomes more of the non-negotiable than anything else. But I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I do know that my taking breath work, like do my doing my hour, like 
stopping on the hour to do the breath work is one of the most profound ways that I can control my stress response system. And during a time where things feel really unknown and things are shifting every day, if we can just breathe, that is probably one of the biggest things that we can do for ourselves. Yeah, I love it. So you're kind of taunting us with the Cadillac self-care routine. Maybe you should tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Yes, I will. So my Cadillac is all about vision. And so I, I want to tap into my vision every single day of the life I want to live. And so I have recorded a five-minute vision of what my life will look like in three years from now. And it starts out, it's December 31st, 2003. And I am grateful and thankful that it all worked out for me. And then five minutes of what all worked out for me. So I listened to my five-minute vision. I grab an essential oil, usually a citrus essential oil, and breathe it in. I have my journal. It's called Speed Dial the Universe. It's right here. And I fill this thing out every single day. I've been doing it for 11 years. And I cannot tell you 80 plus percent of what I've written in this journal has come true for me over the last 11 years. It's probably one of the most powerful manifesting tools I've got. So I fill that out. I say my prayers. I say my massive affirmation by Mary Morrissey. And then I do a 15 to 20 minute meditation on visualizing what I want to have happen for me in the next three years. And that all takes about 40 minutes to do. And that is my Bentley or my Cadillac ritual. I love it because, you know, we didn't know what to expect when you said Cadillac ritual. Like mine would have had some different things in there, but I love how you framed that up. You've got kind of the foundation that it's all about visualization. And the other thing is you're constantly reminding yourself of like the life you want to have, which I agree is couldn't be more important. The reason people don't one reason, not like the only definitive reason, the reason we don't head make progress toward things we want in life is because we're not reminding ourselves of those things very frequently, right? Like we said it, we put it on a paper. And then it's like, all right, I'm gonna move on with my day now. Well, like, I forgot where I put that piece of paper or that notebook. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's but you're bringing it back every day. And so if you're every reminding day. yourself of it every day, no wonder things come true, right? Because you can take action on it if needed to take action on it. And then Absolutely. also, there is a whole universe thing. Like when you put things that sometimes I'm shocked when I put something out there, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that came true. Like, I didn't even know this was possible. Like I actually didn't put that down not knowing that was possible. <laughs> but you'd be amazed what happens, right? So I love yeah. that. I'd love to take yeah. a page from your book. We have control of three things. This is from Jack Cranfield's Success Principles that has always stuck to me. That book changed my life. It's actually the reason why I bought this Speed Dial the Universe back in 09 was we have control of three things. One, our thoughts, what we visualize, and then how we take action on those things. Mm-hmm. And that's always stuck to me. It's like those are the things I have control of. What I'm thinking, my thoughts, my ideas, my dreams, how I'm visualizing those things, and then how I'm taking action. Because everything's created twice. The sweaters that we're wearing, the microphones that we're talking into, the journals that we're writing in, it was someone's idea. It was someone's dream. It was their imagination. And then that became plans. That became actions. That became goals. And then that became bite-sized chunks that people did every single day to then create the thing that it is. You're biting that elephant one bite at a time. And so that's always how I've thought about things is that, you know, if I can see it, if I can visualize it, I'll, I'll tell you what, you can't have a dream that you never imagined. That dream will never be realized if it never became a dream of yours in the first place. And also, I always have 30-day goals, so I look at those 30-day goals, but I think of all of my goals are just in service of my vision. You know, I'm just the bite-sized things that I'm trying to do to get to that vision because oftentimes our vision is it should be so big that we have no idea how we're going to get it, but we're just, we're, it's just going to come together. And so if it's on my mind, if it's, it's in my head every single day, 
creative ideas and thoughts are coming in to kind of bring that, bring that into reality. So having a national best-selling book, a number one national best-selling book, was the number one health book in the nation in 2019 for the whole month. And I remember... I wanted a national best-selling book one day. I remember having that vision, you know, eight years prior, not knowing how I was going to get there. And there were many, many goals and many, many steps along the way that got us there. But one day I woke up and it was number one on Wall Street Journal. It was number one on USA Today. It was number one on Publishers Weekly. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it would have been number three on New York Times, but they just didn't choose it. And so, you know, you never know. Like I think about that as an example of, you know, if we can hold that vision vision. It may take eight years. It may take five years. Gosh, it may take only six months, but you watch that come into play. Your life becomes by design and not by default. Yeah. I love that. Perfect. It's almost like the other thing that mirrors your life being by design and not by default is getting up with intention for the day instead of getting up to react to the day. I think that makes me think of that immediately. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Your day can happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen to you if you let it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. How many times have we felt like that day? The day is just kicking us in the butt. Like, I'm like, why is this day happening to me? And, yeah. and the, But every day and any day can happen for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this is such a good place to kind of wrap. But I did promise before we got into the self-care thing. Earlier, we talked about what does it mean to have hormone imbalances? And you were like, all the things. And you the gave things. a great, you gave a great, you really schooled us on that. And it was a definitely an amen moment. So now when people want these definitive things, when you say, how do you reset your hormones? How do you jumpstart your metabolic fire? How do you answer that question? Mm, such a great question. The first step, I think, is nutrition. I always say that nutrition is foundational. Clearly, we got to also take ownership on the stress front as well. You can't green smoothie your way out of a chronic stress, because I tried. Smoothies will get you closer to homeostasis, but it won't take you all the way. But oftentimes, when we are in a state of a hormonal imbalance, we've got nutrient deficiencies, we are struggling with that key nutrition. And I think really dialing in, you know, kind of bringing it and cleaning it up is going to be so key there, you know, focusing on lots of healthy fats, lots of healthy proteins, grass fed proteins, and then also lots of red, lots of green leafy vegetables, lots of color of the rainbow, and really getting rid of foods that don't serve foods that are creating maybe intolerances in the body like corn, soy, gluten, potentially even grains, dairy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine. So just really giving your body that clean slate to really create yourself into homeostasis, give your your cells that the safety nutrition that they need to turn back on to go back and rebuild those receptor sites. And also then clearly stress reducing techniques, filling in those nutrient gaps. Usually I see women are deficient in magnesium, B vitamins, selenium, zinc. Those are big ones that I see oftentimes And, you know, just making sure that we're getting good supplementation, we're sleeping well, we're moving our bodies in a way that feels like it's in alignment with us. And then just focusing on nourishing the body. That's really what it is, is lifestyle more than anything. There's no magic bullet. You know, there's no slathering progesterone on yourself or taking birth control or anything like that. That's going to just automatically fix what's going on. It's really about loving your body. And it may take a little bit of time to get there. But those are the key tenets 
balance of balancing your hormones. I love it. Nourishment is the umbrella and underneath the umbrella is like nutrition, stress, sleep, and movement were the big ones I took away there. So mm-hmm. I love it. It is tangible yet also not out of reach for anyone. So Dr. Marisa, can you share this lovely, amazing gift that you have for our listeners today? Mm. I have this incredible essential oil hormone blends cheat sheet that I love that is so, so tangible. It's got blends for stress, for mood swings, for brain fog, for cravings. And I know right now, I think we could all use a little extra it does instant wins. I could use a stress instant win. I could use a craving instant win. And so these blends super easy to make, super powerful to use, and they smell amazing so that you'll love to do it. And all the instructions are in the cheat sheet as well. And so that's the gift I would love to give because I think it's so in alignment right now with what's going on. Perfect. And that will be in the show notes. And you just inspired me. Whenever I get done talking to someone who is an essential oil guru, who anyone I've had speaks so beautifully and amazingly. I'm like, yep, I'm going to go fill my diffuser behind me and get that on for the rest of the day. So thank you for the reminder and the inspiration. It was lovely to have you. Where can people find you online? Absolutely. So my favorite place to come find me is on the podcast, Essentially You, focusing on helping women become the CEO of their health on the Instagram. So I'm at Dr. Marisa, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. And then my books can be found on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. And I look forward to chatting again. Wonderful. Thanks. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 